Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. It's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. It's simple and intuitive, clear design with data presented in an easy-to-digest way. Back in my engineering days, I used to do a bunch of stock trading, but I haven't done it for quite a while. So now that I've got the Robinhood app on my phone, I've been doing it again. The great part, there's no commission and no cost, no fees. Other brokerages, when I used to trade, they would charge up to 10 bucks a trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge any sort of commission or fees and you can trade stocks and keep all of the profits. So it's been fun to be able to use that again. And they're giving listeners, Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. So sign up at uscfootball.robinhood.com. That's uscfootball, just like uscfootball.com, but uscfootball.robinhood.com. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast. On a Sunday, we're going to talk some USC Trojan football with the coach Harvey Hyde, of course, over the weekend. In Salt Lake City, USC falls to the Utah Utes, 41-28. to This is actually my second podcast of the day. We did an immersive podcast overnight after we got home uh, from the press box. Uh, so you can check that out up on uscfootball.com or parastylepodcast.com. But we're going to talk today with Coach Harvey Hyde. you got a lot of questions you guys have sent in, so if you have any more, feel free to send them in. Podcast at uscfootball.com. That is our email address. And if you'd like to call or text, and we've got a bunch of voicemails, we got a bunch of texts today, 424-254-9141 is the number. We do love to hear from you. Try to keep the voicemails brief if you can, um, just so we can uh, move along with the show. And we don't want to Beat a dead horse, but there's a lot of similar themes along all of your questions. So we'll do our best to address all of them. And to address all of them, we have the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. What's up, coach? Hope you had a good weekend. Ryan, I did have a good weekend. I'm still uh, in the weekend. That doesn't come to an end until uh, football's done. And, of course, today is all NFL football and reviewing uh, all the notes and things. So... Get yourself prepared for the coming week. And uh, it was a good weekend, but uh, a disappointing weekend as far as if you're a USC Trojan football fan. And, and I know all the people's are, people are that listen to this show. So uh, I'm sure we have a lot of questions and things that people want us to discuss because I'm sure they saw the same game we saw. And as, and as I always say, I respect their feelings. Because uh, USC football people are hardcore football fans, and they understand the game. And uh, I think that if we did not uh, give our opinion and say the honest truth on what our opinion is, then we're becoming a homer, and then they won't listen anymore. So basically what I want to do, but they don't have to agree, but basically what I want to do is get started so that we can... uh, uh, get into this because there is a lot to discuss. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to discuss. And uh, before we do all that, wanted to thank Southern California Tickets, like always. Southern California Tickets, you can go to SoCalTixTix.com or call them at 1-800-888-7287. Hey, the Dodgers are in the World Series now. There's three games at Dodger Stadium coming up next week. If you want to uh, check those out, you can go to Etsy Tickets and they will help you out. Tell Curtis that the coach sent you. Uh, but, you know, if you want to go to the upcoming USC football games, it's a 1230 kickoff uh, against Arizona State this coming weekend. Or if you want to go to the theater or anything like that, uh, go to Southern California Tickets. They've been helping us out for many years. All right, Coach. Um, so it's hard to, to start somewhere. But I think the best thing is, is like you said, we'll just get to the questions. Um, we do have kind of a sort of a long rant uh, voicemail. That might be a good place to start and get your thoughts on that. Um, like I said, we don't really like them to be too long, but you know, we want to let the people vent. This is like kind of therapy for a lot of USC fans. I can't tell you how many fans I 
ran into uh, on the plane and, and you know, after the game and stuff. People were not happy, as you can imagine. Uh, so let me play this one for you, and we'll get your thoughts. Hi, this is Dan out in West Covina. Giving you guys a call because uh, I can't sit here no more and take it. I've always been pretty critical about the coach, and uh, last night was a good reminder of why. USC looks exactly the way they did before Sam Darnold took the field. They looked lousy. They looked like they did not have an identity. They would have stumbled to a terrible record had Sam Darnold not saved the season, put the team on his back, and gave us a Rose Bowl victory. And essentially uh, made Coach a wealthy man. But I think the, the favor is over. Done is done. The team looks exactly like they did before Donald got to take the field. I don't have to wait another season for it. I already know what I'm getting. Uh, the offense with no identity, a defense that looks lost on occasion, and uh, just it's just terrible. It's hard to watch this this team. They cannot put anyone away. Um, they had Colorado beat handedly, and uh, they let them back in. You just you can with USC, you can never feel comfortable. There was no comfortable wins. It's hard watching this team. That's enough. That's it. I do not want to go back to mediocrity. I do not want to go back to the Hackett era style, you know, of talent or diluted talent. You got to cut the cord before it's too late. Time to pull the trigger. I guess my coach uh, is a long rant more than that question, but uh, coach, uh, when do you feel like it's a good time to pull the trigger on? or when you could make up your mind on a coach. And uh, how do you feel as far as uh, where USC should go from here? Thanks. Bye. Well, I, I tell you, uh, last night's game was, uh, I think, the best way to sum it up. Uh, you lost the battle and you lost the war. Uh, you were out game-planned. You were out-executed. You lost physically. You embarrassed yourself. I thought it was an embarrassing type of performance. Uh, you're up 14 to nothing. Uh, you take the crowd out of the game for a short period of time. You're playing defensively, pretty aggressively, not bad. And then all of a sudden, everything just falls apart. And again, it falls apart for the same reason. You can't run the football. You have tendencies. This offense does not fit the personnel that you have. Uh, they know what JT Daniels is. It's not the kid's fault. The kid is not a an athletic type of quarterback. They know how to find him. They were more physical up front where they really didn't need the blitz. They could run their cover too, but they knew that USC never, you know, attacks the middle of the field. The only way they do that is they, every time they see a cover two, they think they should run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. But there's ways of attacking the middle of the field with a tight end and back circling, if you have a two-back offense, or if somebody's not rushing, you sort of run a delay down the middle, or do different things to force them out of cover two. But they don't adjust to what the defense is doing. The flopping of their offense confused the defense a lot. Uh, you could see them not being lined up properly, rather than just sliding down or, or doing what you need to do. Uh, the contain of an athletic quarterback is something that Pentagrass has never been able to do with his assignments. An athletic quarterback will eat them up every single game, and they did. Uh, I, I tweeted out after the first quarter, stop their run, and you got a chance. But basically they ran just enough where they're able to do the passing game and the run-read option where he became so dangerous and he gained confidence as the game went along. Utah gained confidence as the game went along, and then it became a complete fiasco. When you when you look at the stats, I, you know I'm not a stat guy. I'm a win and loss guy. But when you look at the stats and you see that Utah has 28 first downs and USC 10, 205 yards of total offense, 73 yards of, of rushing, three of 14 third down conversions. Now, you know, these are the key things you look at when you look at the stats. I haven't mentioned the score one time. And then you look at the total yardage of Utah, 541 yards. Time of possession, Utah, 34 to 25. 20, 25 or 27 more offensive plays than USC. Well, what 
you didn't win it. You didn't win the game. You didn't win the score. You didn't win the stats, and you got beat up, absolutely beat up. They were more physical. They were out coached. Uh, USC was in all areas, and uh, I think you come home and and you say they're the better team, but Utah was a better team. There's no question about it. And it's amazing to me how they do it with guys that play every down. They don't rotate their backs. They just come after you. They're in great condition for big guys. You don't see them sucking it up. You don't see a lot of rotation, but you see them with a lot of confidence being able to play and they have an identity of who they are. It's called toughness, and they're able to back it up. And it was a street fight last night. As far as Utah looked at it that way, their fans looked at it that way, and I don't have to tell you who won the game or who won the street fight. They won it all. So that's the best way to say it. Now let's get into it. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the fans, Coach, that's all everyone's saying like we got, we got a text from Athens, Greece, a text all the way from there. So uh, Robert, he's class of 2000 from Athens. He said, dearest coach Hyde and Ryan, I know you guys don't like to say fire this guy, fire that guy. And I really don't either. So can both of you please come up with a politically correct way to say what we all know must be done. Thank you and fight on. P.S. I waited until the end of the third quarter to write this post. Yours very truly, Robert. Um what you know, what's, well, what's your you know response to? There's a lot of that out there, coach, and it's like you know it's people's livelihood. You don't want to, um, you know, speak bad of everybody, but I mean, it doesn't look like a team that's getting better. It doesn't look like a team that's you know playing anywhere near the potential of the talent that's that's on this that's on the team. No, yeah, I have to agree with that. Uh, as far as t- firing, I'm not going to ever say that, but I'm going to say he has to surround himself with stronger people people that can uh, uh, be his uh, supporting cast as far as his offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, secondary. I mean, you know, when I look at some of the secondary alignments, you got Langley, the ball's on the seven-yard line. He's lined up on the five-yard line, backpedaling into the end zone, and they're throwing a slant route. I mean, I look at it and I say, how can you run that coverage? And Marvell Tell just standing there, not trying to go and knock the ball. I say, the kids got to be confused. These guys, they haven't been, I don't know if they've been taught to do that or running to play laterally to uh, East and West. Uh, Jones is running 30 yards, 20 yards before he turns up the field from the seven or eight yard line to try to get in the end zone. I mean, I say, what is that? What would you try to compensate? You got to go North and South or, or do something or run them. When they run the option, they audibleize to the option. That one play, they had no guy in the force. It just the quarterback just went down the line of scrimmage and Hudley and just tossed the ball to the Moss and down the sideline. He goes unsound type of things that happen that you wonder what's happening. And you know, you 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 know, Coach Helton is responsible for everything, and he said that last night. But he's got to have people around him too, and I guess that's his fault that he hasn't surrounded himself with people who are not doing things for the first time. First-time defensive line coach, first-time offensive coordinator, first-time quarterback coach with a young uh, quarterback. Uh, A lot of things that you say, you know, normally you got to pay your dues to coach at USC or Alabama or or LSU or some of these places. And uh, I think the coaches are working hard. I think they're trying to do what they're supposed to do. But when you don't see a team getting better or making the adjustments – the team is just soft, okay? And I don't know if you uh, uh, saw the interview on Ruffin McNeil, who took Mike Stoops' uh, spot as the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. He says, I really fed, felt bad. We had a bye week after Mike Stoops uh, was let go. I was the defensive coordinator, and you should have seen us during our bye week. We had a physical bye d- a practice every single day. It was worse than the game because they had lost to Texas. Well, that's an opposite, different philosophy than what you see at USC or the days they practice at USC. And you hear me talk about all the time you don't get better at football unless you practice football. And uh, you can't just pick up the speed of the game the day of the game. So I I think that's – I've gone too long in this question because I know you have a lot. No, I mean, I think that's a – it's right. I mean, the the team is – Soft. I feel like they get 
into their routines and they won't get away from them. And uh, we're going to have a conference call later on tonight. I'm going to try to ask you know Coach Clay Helton about that, about getting out of the routine and doing an extra day of practice or doing more goal line stuff because it just seems like they make some schedule in August and it doesn't matter what happens in the games. That's just what they do. So is it bad enough now that he will change the routine? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. But um, we had a, a voicemail from Joan about that, about practices. And I think uh, this is coming from Dan Weber talks about this a lot too, about repetition and needing to, it's not, you can't go to a meeting and talk about, here's what we're going to do. You have to do it and you have to do it over and over, over again in practice. That's what Joan is talking about. I'll play it for you and get your thoughts, coach. Hey, Ryan and Harvey. It's uh, Joan Levis. Um, I have a couple, I have one comment and a couple of things. I was just listening to your emergency podcast, Ryan, and it just dawned on me. You guys have talked about practice over and over again. And that they, they, the coaches say that they have to learn in the games. I, I don't know what sport you do that in. Um, I play a lot of tennis and, and what they always said to me in tennis was you have to hit 1,000 balls over and over again, uh, to win a match. I mean, and that's practice, practice, practice. Um, I also want to say that I, I love this team. I know that everybody's, uh, despondent and, um, depressed and we want to see them win we've got a great bunch of kids uh we have you know one of the top ranked recruiting classes and as ryan pointed out we're the only ones not in um the top 10 so um and ranked and they keep regressing so i want to ask uh harvey hyde um what do you see um what would you immediately change to make this team more dynamic and better and start to play aggressively and uh, start doing what they should be doing out there to um, facilitate a win. Thanks so much and fight on. Well, thank you very much. I think uh, the first thing you got to do is do things that these athletes can do. You, you can't have them try to achieve and, and things they can't do or perform at. And uh, I think that's really important right now. They're not a tough team. So, all of a sudden, you're not going to get tough, so just forget it. Too late to change at this period of time. I, I was both. I, I talked about that all spring. Uh, even their spring game was a circus, if you remember. No scrimmage, no nothing. That's normally a hundred play all-out scrimmage. It's just a pattern of of who they are with their identity. It's it's hard to change that. But I think what you could change now is what you're doing offensively and defensively a bit. As far as, first of all, on the offensive side, you've got to be able to hold the perimeter. Uh, you've got to have your quarterback, I think, and I don't mean this as a negative thing to JT, because I certainly hope he gets well. I thought the offense operated better under Matt Fink. He's more uh, quicker. He can get around. He can avoid the rush. I know it was at the end of the game and this and that, but he looked like he was more in charge. Uh, not. Uh, I'm not saying that he's... He should be starting, believe me. I'm just saying that, to me, he looked like he was more in charge, and the team looked like they were more under control, but bad at the helm. I think they should be taking more snaps under center. They're a completely snapped team. Two or three times a game, the ball is going, I don't know where, from the center. I think you can develop your offense better with the type of quarterbacks that they have there. You've got to have an offense like the Rams run or... Tom Brady, as far as the way they protect Tom Brady, because they're non-athletic quarterbacks, or Phil Rivers. You've got to be able to take, if you notice, they take a lot of snaps under center. They run a lot of power eye, different type of things, counters and so on, bootlegs, where they protect the quarterback and he doesn't have to run the football. But since USC has what they have currently now, the only way you're going to get offside, I can tell you right now, if the back sets to the left, if it's a running play, he's going right. If the back sets to the right, if the running play is going left, and you just key on him because the quarterback doesn't even hold the fake. He doesn't continue by running outside. He doesn't hold anybody. I mean, it's just stationary. So you can't play football that way when they know where you're going. Same with the passing game. When you never throw the ball in the middle of the field, then people know that you don't have to cover the middle of the field. Why cover something you don't do? Let's make him cover the. Let's make him uh, make us cover the middle of the field. And I don't know how many times I've been talking about the tight end. They do a play action pass with Matt Fink. 
And Patek's so wide open, I was afraid he might drop it because those are things they never do. But they, So they just they do it and they score a touchdown. I mean, it's so easy when you do things what you should be doing on the goal line or in the red zone or wherever you are on the field because the penalties are big things. But last night they had two penalties. And did it make a difference in the game? No didn't because they were dominated so much in the other things, such as the athletic quarterback against the defense. They cannot stop an athletic quarterback. Now, ASU, you don't think they saw that game? And their athletic quarterback will try to take advantage of what they do. If they can get the running game going, then you're going to see their quarterback run the ball. You're going to see him uh, play action pass. You're going to see them spread the field and, and run the quarterback draw up the middle. But guys are willing to do that with their quarterback with this offense. Got to be athletic to run this offense, but you've got to change your offense, and you got to change what your philosophy is with this team. You got to get under center. You've got to give this guy a chance so that he can develop the type of rhythm or identity that everyone is looking for. So, in a short phrase, I don't know what they can do unless they're willing to change themselves, and that's the coaches. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. And to I'm think. not saying firing the coaches. I'm saying changing what they're doing. Yeah. Um, well, th- that's been a theme of yours too. I think with the, you know, more athletic quarterback, George and Oxenard. And we got to see, I thought USC called their, I forget which game it was that Fink came in when uh, JT Daniels got hurt. It, it might've been, might've been the UNLV. I forget what it was, but Fink came in and I thought they actually called an offense that looked cohesive I feel when JT's out there, it's just more of just playground. Um, not to JT's fault. It's just that's what they do. They just kind of rely on him to win it. But when Fink's in there, they have to kind of like run some sort of offense. But George and Oxenard texted in with JT's con- concussion. So JT Daniels uh, suffered what you know apparently was a concussion and didn't come back in for the rest of the game. Matt Fink could very well get the next start. I love JT, but I wouldn't mind seeing what Fink could do for a full game. What are your impressions of Fink? And if you're T. Martin... How would you game plan? Thanks, Coach, and fight on, George from Oxenard. Well, I, I basically said that Fink, Fink can, uh, he can stretch the defense. He's not afraid to run. I think he's a little bit more physical. I think that teams would respect his running ability, but they know they'll run him, and uh, he can avoid the rush. He's more. He's got better uh, lateral movement as far as avoiding the rush or stepping up in the pocket or doing different things. Now, of course, I haven't seen him in a full game when, you know, to be able to evaluate this. And it's not fair to JT to do that. But uh, when you know where a guy's going to be and how long have I said, if you stop the running game and you know where the quarterback's going to be and it's going to be a pass, you just go after him because you don't fear his running ability. And you don't need to fear his running ability because you just run him down. So, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I think that if he's – this is a call by the coaches – it won't be an easy call. If JT's well, well, that's your decision, and that's what Coach Helton gets paid the big bucks for, to make that decision. If it works and they're successful, remember he had to make that decision with Mac Brown. Maybe he has to make that decision now. Mac Brown was the Gatorade player of the year, uh, I think, in the West. But he had to make a decision. And I think to make a decision at this time would refresh people a bit to say, now we've got something to look forward to. Let's see what happens. How can it hurt? But again, that's his call. And that's uh, not because it's JT Daniels' fault. It's just that the offense they're running doesn't fit his style. Really doesn't fit Matt's style. But I know he was recruited out of high school, Glendora High School, because he ran the football a lot in high school. And uh, if they're going to run this offense, then they got to be able to run the ball. Your quarterback, and there is a chance he'll get hurt. But everybody can get hurt, okay? You don't run him every play. You do it just to stretch the defense and make him aware that you do have a quarterback that can avoid the rush and can carry the football as necessary. We uh, we got a bunch of questions about T. Martin, too. I'll, I'll read you a couple of them, um, and we kind of get your thoughts. Uh, I believe you're the most honest, direct, and non-political person on the Peristyle podcast. No third down conversions till the fourth quarter. 200 plus yards of offense, 205 yards total. 
T. Martin blaming the youth of the players. Uh, don't you think it's time to end this experiment and get a real offensive coordinator? That's Ray from Florida. And then John in Oakland wrote in, during T. Martin's post-game uh, post-practice interview last week, Dan Weber was there. Martin made a statement that sort of surprised me. He basically said that during games, he doesn't try to analyze what's going on with the offense, and that's and that figuring out what happened on a play was done after the game when watching the tapes. He also said he doesn't follow the stats like how many yards his offense has made during the games either. Is this typical for offensive coordinators? Shouldn't they be trying to figure out uh, what's working and what's not working and why? So that during a game, they can make adjustments and select plays with a better chance of success. That's John in Oakland. So maybe get your thoughts on some some T. Martin questions, Coach. No, I agree with the uh, caller or the writer, whoever, whatever he did. He emailed him, I guess, to you, whatever, text, email. That, you know, you're always supposed to be, if this play doesn't work, I, I know I want to know why and what's the down-distance situation, and you're ready already for your next play. If you notice, there's not a quick play that goes into the game. There seems to be a delay. You see the quarterback looking to the sideline like, hurry up, hurry up. And uh, there's no, to me, looks like very little audibleizing to whatever the defense might be in. It isn't like you're getting away from what the players call, even if you're running into the strength. To me, I think there's that's part of, uh, of uh, doing surgery that uh, if you do this, I'm going to do that. And if I can change it like Utah did on that option play, uh, then I'm going to change it. And I'm going to take advantage of what you're doing. And uh, uh, I think you, you've got to know that. As far as the stats are concerned, I look at that at halftime. I don't look at that during the game. I don't, I don't care what the stats are. I can, in my mind, when I call plays for years, I knew what was working and what wasn't working and why they weren't working and what I needed to do to get them to work. And if the other team is just better, then they got better athletes than we do. We just can't get it done because they, they outperform us. And last night, uh, it made me look like Utah. To me, it looked like Utah had better players in every area. I mean, uh, uh, in the tackling in the secondary of USC, I've never seen worse tackling in my life. I mean, I'd like to know how many yards a receiver made after he caught the ball because the guy's missing tackles. Unbelievable. I mean, uh, I just don't, or the, uh, because you stop a play on a streak pass where the guy might drop the football, you flex your muscles and so on, they come back the next play and throw a, throw a touchdown pass on you. Same play. Uh, when they jumped off sides and they let the play go and got a touchdown. I mean, please. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if you guys noticed that. How many times they got, I think, five sacks. How many times could they have sacked Huntley last night? Did you see how many times he got out of the tackle? It looks like they're trying to grab him and throw him down rather than settle up. Uh, don't give him an option to one way or the other go. Slow down. Be in control. Once you get there, break down. Be in control so that you he fears you because he doesn't have right or left to go. You're ready to do that. There's none of that. He just makes a move and so on. The, you know, I'm not going to point out names all the time. I don't think that's right. They just miss, just miss it. And the young player, uh, uh, sometimes young players make big mistakes. And they got to slow down. They can't knock a guy out every play. Settle up and make the tackle. Make the play. Because if you make the play, they might make five yards. You try to make the hit, they're making 15 yards. Would you miss it? So, you know, these are all the things you see during a game, and you start to wonder exactly, you know, what's happening with the basic fundamentals of the game. And uh, I don't even know what the question was now. <laughs> Hell, I hope I answered it for you. I love that, You can laugh. Do we got to laugh about something? <laughs> we do have to laugh about something. You know, okay, so yeah. I want to talk about the defense for a little bit because – I, you know, I got a lot of tweets about missed tackles, like you were saying, and everything. You know, it's hard because it's a team game. USC special teams played well uh, last night. They, the big plays, the big bad plays, went you against Utah, not against USC. I didn't expect that to happen. Well, so. Now, wait a minute. That one kickoff coverage was horrible. Yeah, went back to the fifty, 
Whenever he missed a field goal, that was a six-point turnaround. They drove down at the last minute and 36 seconds because they missed a field goal and scored a a, a field goal or a touchdown. So, that, you know. No, that's fair. No, that's, you can't make mistakes like that. It's fair, but the, the bigger mistakes were on Utah's side, uncharacteristically, because they have the best special teams in the conference. They muffed a punt. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, and you know, it led to one USC touchdown. So, um, and, you know, USC blocked one of the punts. But, you know, like, at least it was a wash. Thank God. They only had to drive about 10 <laughs> yards. Took them the last down to get in, I think. But so, so special teams was fine. Um, the offense obviously was horrible. They were outgained by over 300 yards from, from Utah. But for me, on the defensive side, the first seven drives for USC offensively went three plays. So... Seven drives USC had, they had three plays. The defense was playing at altitude, and for the first seven times USC had the ball, they couldn't hold it for more than three plays. Now, one of those plays was a touchdown, which is great. The other five of them were oh, three and man. outs. You think that was what you call lady luck? That was late. That was lady oh, luck. But they, luck. They, they I'll scored. tell you what, he threw, he threw that ball up in the air, and Pittman made a great play. Otherwise, it's interception all over it. It should have been intercepted by two guys. Either one of them could have fair caught that ball. That was like an arm punt from JT, who almost got sacked. I can't give that an offensive tackle. I'm not or a touchdown. That's just what you call something that just happened. I right. mean, really, they smacked Daniels on that play. He was, I thought he was trying to throw it away. Did you? Yeah, I kind of did, and uh, but it didn't go yeah. anywhere. But but anyway, it was. And then so there was five three and outs. One three and touchdown, you know, crazy lucky touchdown, and one three and interception. That's obviously bad. But either way, the first seven drives, USC had 21 plays. So the defense has rolled out there every time. Like it's basically like a three and out every single time for the right. first seven drives. I had a harder time, coach. I thought they were aggressive. I thought the front where they were jumping the defensive lineman around trying to confuse Utah, they got a but you know, five sacks or whatever I think it was. And, you know, yeah. I, I felt like yeah, by the end of the game, they were missing tackles and stuff, but it was hard for me to put a lot of blame on the defense. I, I know. Do you do you take that in consideration when when you know looking at that? I I know they gave up a lot of yards and everything, but man, they were just putting tough spots all night. Yeah, no, I do. I really do. Uh, I mean, I'm not blaming anyone for the loss. It was which I like. I told you. A complete beating, okay? They scored a touchdown, too. One, one person. Huh? <laughs> they had half USC's points for most of the game, too. They scored a touchdown. <laughs> oh, right. And in fact, it was so embarrassing that Tefili picks up a, a a fumble, runs it in for a touchdown, and then they get a 15-yard penalty for celebration. I mean, gosh. I mean, you know, that was, I mean, I, you look at these things and you say, gosh, you're up 14 nothing. You're taking the crowd out of the game. You haven't done much, but you're up 14-0. You got a lucky touchdown pass to Pittman, and they pick up a, a fumble, and you run it in. Hey, they're trying to help you win. They're trying to help you win, and then, you know, you can't do it. And I agree with you. The defense was on the field a lot, but, you know, you all contribute. You can't point fingers, and I used to tell that all the time to my team and my coaches. Quit pointing fingers. Everyone contributes to a win. Everyone contributes to a loss. There'll be good days and bad days by coaching and players. And uh, no, but I have to agree with you. I thought early in the game, I thought Richter really flew around well. I think he he plays well there. Uh, I thought that, uh, in fact, uh, I didn't really have a a feeling of a loss of Port Augustine at the beginning of the game. Uh, I, I didn't because Richter was playing so well or, Cameron Smith, because I can't say his name, but number one was flying around. So, you know, it, I have to agree with you, Ryan. At the beginning of the game, the defense really did its part. All right. We got a question uh, from, let's see, Jeff. So he said, hello, my name is Jeff. I'm emailing all the way from Wichita, Kansas. Wow. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, I just recently started listening to the podcast episodes that feature Harvey Hyde and have become a fan. Well, you got a fan, Coach. That's nice. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, after watching the first half of the USC Utah game, I'm concluding that watch. I, I've concluded that watching the second half of the game is not possible. I've been a fan of USC for a very long time, and it kills me to watch a team with so much talent play with such lack of purpose. Simply put, you play how you practice. My brother D'Angelo played for Nebraska during the 1990s under the great Tom Osborne, and I remember how hard all caps he said they practiced. Not only were there where they were physical on the field, but they were just as physical in the weight room. This USC team lacks physicality within the trenches and speed on the perimeter. But the most disappointing thing 
is that this team lacks an identity on offense. And based on what I've seen and read from the practice reports, I am truly not surprised. Coach, is there any way you can see practice habits in the future changing? Or should we as fans just start facing the reality that USC will only compete for Pac-12 South titles? Fight on from Jeff. Well, uh, you know, what you do is you hope that you can see through the fog. And uh, as you used to hear me say, the early morning practices, I hated them because you prepared your body for something that you worked out at a certain time at 6 or 7 in the morning and your games were in the afternoon or night where your body becomes trained for a certain thing. Well, I think your body becomes trained, too, for being physical and uh, learning that you're not going to die from a hangnail or a bloody nose. And your body gets used to contact, and some people love it. They love the feeling of contact, of being able to hit somebody or, or finish a block. We used to say, finish the block, you know, and, and the different type of things, or a pancake block. There's a lot of pride in those type of things. And uh, you learn that through training and believing and practicing about that. Now, all within the structure of the rules. Now, don't get me wrong. Targeting, no way. I'm talking about just learning how to how to practice and practice hard and be in full uniform. I've always said, hey, how can you run around in shorts all week and then put on your uniform and then play a game? That's like practicing all week without any bullets in your gun. You didn't practice shooting, but when the game started, you're supposed to be a real warrior. I mean, that didn't happen. You got to practice the way and dress the way and do the things you need to do. And then if you're lucky, you can win. There's so much parity today in all the teams. Look at Washington State. Holy cow. Dominate last night in Pullman, game day there and everything else. Here's a guy that takes two and three star guys and puts them in a position where they're so damn good that they believe in themselves and their execution and not only are they so good offense will be they make the defense five times better too because the defense believes in themselves and they put have them playing the type of style. Yet when you think of that, thirty nine thirty six USC beats Washington State. Yes, I know it was a block field goal. And I know the momentum was going that way, but you can just see what the potential can be, you hate to see that many points scored against you. But they'd score that many points to get everybody against everybody. But the potential is there. It's uh, being able to perform and being physical enough where you keep those type of teams off the field. And what did Utah do to USC last night? They kept them off the field. They punished them. They ran the ball. They did whatever they wanted to do. They actually was uh, a team that used to be USC as far as Moss running the ball. You didn't see many other backs in there. Pound you, pound you, pound you. Get up in great shape. Run some more. Huntley playing and gaining confidence as the game went along, both running and passing the ball. The defense gaining confidence the whole time and having fun. And I didn't see too many of the Utah players celebrating after a play or a big play. That was just part of their game plan. This is what their job is. So, you know, that's what it's all about. It's, and I know Willie Nam. He, he backs up who he is. I, I want you to know he's a tough guy. He just soon fights you. And I think the players know that, too. I think before a game, he liked to fight every head coach before the game just for the hell of it so his team <laughs> knew that he's not afraid to do it. I, I really do. And his team plays that way. His team plays that way, and they buy in. you got to buy in to what you're trying to emphasize, and I think that's something that's lacking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think you're right there, Coach. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Earl in West L.A. He said, last night was another offensive line fail. I thought you might want to comment on this, Coach, since you were an offensive line guru. I don't understand why they can't block. I can't blame the defense that much for the 41 points as they were gassed by the middle of the third quarter as Utah had run 60 plays by then. Uh, I don't understand how someone with Callaway's experience can't fix the problem. Do you have any answers? I don't know if I have any answers and we have a lot of parents out there that listen and their kids play at USC and a lot of them are offensive linemen. 
all of them are highly recruited players. I mean, they could have gone to Notre Dame. They could have gone to Stanford. They could have gone to Washington. So I, I don't think they recruited the wrong players. So I think it's just part of development. Instead of taking dance class, I think you've got to take a little bit of, of another type of class called martial arts or something like that because I don't see the physical part of the offensive line at USC. I mean, uh, I don't see them in great position. I don't see them moving their feet. I see them turning their bodies. I don't see them going to the second level, getting off the football. Uh, I don't see a complete offensive lineman. What I mean, somebody that can do pass block and run block. Got to be able to do both. You just can't be good at one. But they're all good kids. And they've all been recruited highly. And they all would be, I don't know, at another university if they didn't decide to go to USC. So I don't want to say they can't play. That's wrong. So I don't know what the problem is, but it obviously those kids are great players or they wouldn't have offers. It wasn't just the only offer they had was to go to USC. So I think that's the best way to explain it because I really don't know why, except I know that their attitude is one that I don't think is nasty. And I think you've got to be nasty to be able to play football, especially in the interior line. But be a good guy. But be nasty when you're on the field. We uh, we had a question from Casey. Uh, I think this actually might have been right after the Colorado game or a little bit later. But I think it still applies. He said, with the impressive defensive showing Saturday versus Colorado, there's a difference in the intensity on the field when the defense is on the field versus the offense on the field. I think that still applies for the Utah game. He said, is there something in practice that explains this? Are the defensive coaches uh, coaching differently than the offensive coaches in terms of getting results from the players? What can be done to help the offense get the same level of intensity and energy we see from the defense? Thanks for all you do to cover the team and keep us fans in the know, Casey and Laverne. Well, I think you've got to be as competitive as a coach in practice as you ask your players to be. And what I mean is uh, when your players go against the other position, uh, you've got to be involved. You've got to be into it. Uh, you know, I don't know. We have a lot of listeners out there that were there when Ron Yeri and Brad Buddy and Munoz played and also some of the great defensive teams at USC. And I'll tell you, these guys... Hey, they like football. They had wars out there. Marv Goo against Hudson Houck and these guys. Man, they developed football players. I mean, you became a football player. You went on the football field. That was the way it is. They run you off. Or you go off the field and cry or something and or go somewhere. They, you, when you played football at USC, you knew that it was a serious thing. Now, I don't know if they think that way now or coach that way now or Kids are different now. I don't know. I hear all that. Kids are different now. I don't believe all that. I think kids kids are kids, and kids are trained, and kids like discipline, and kids like to win, and kids like to be tough, and kids like to look good, and kids like to walk out of the locker room knowing they won and see all the people waiting for them, not walk out and try to hide and get on the bus. I mean, there's a lot of things. They want to read the newspaper. They can't wait to go to class on Monday because everybody's going to tell them how good they are. But they got to be able to be trained to be that way, to be able to win. You just can't all of a sudden say, hey, this is what the coaches." I mean, it's all starting from the beginning. It's all starting, and I told you, when you first arrive on campus, they come into your office, and you have a little room, and you bring in the new athletes, and you say, you guys have been great players in high school. But guys, you're now on a different level. I've taken you to dinner. I've done everything. I've called you every night. I've done all that. Now it's time to play football on the big time level. And I'm going to ask you to do something that I've never, would, I, I wouldn't ask you to do anything. I wouldn't ask my own son to do, but we're going to be uh, real serious around here with my coaches and you, we want you to all be doctors or lawyers or whatever you want to be. But we also want you to be a national champion on and off the field. And you tell them guys, it's, it's time now. It's not me, or it's not I'm a five-star, or it's not me, I'm not playing, I'm going to pout. I'm not the locker room lawyer. You can be that after you graduate. Hey, we're all one. As what, who was it, Ed Orgeron said, one heartbeat? I thought that was the greatest statement I ever heard. We're all one heartbeat. 
I think that's what you need to do, Ryan. And I don't know. I don't know if that's that way, but I know at Alabama it's that way and other places it's that way. And why can't it be that way at a USC? I don't know. Um, all right, let's see. Let's. We got two more for you. Keith in New Jersey, uh, sort of getting back to the quarterback stuff. Uh, I have to ask this unpopular question, but I feel it's time. Let me be clear on this. I place no blame on the kid one bit. He still is the future of this program, unless, of course, he transfers when all the dust settles come December. But am I way off when I suggest it's time to give JT Daniels a quote-unquote break? The regression at the QB play is uh, in this dead-in-the-water offense is undeniable. Perhaps, by no fault of his own, he is overwhelmed and shell-shocked. Maybe I can even say it's a preventative measure due to apparent concussion symptoms from that slam to the ground. But I do think Daniel should at least be the backup for next week and let the staff take it from there. Good idea or bad idea? Thanks and fight on. Keith in New Jersey. Keith, we talked about that a little bit. That's, of course, uh, Coach Helton's decision on what he decides to go with. Like I mentioned, I don't think a change hurts anything, especially if JT is at all close to a concussion and not cleared. I mean, even a little bit. Uh, uh, I, I, I think that's maybe could be something fresh as far as for the team. And as I mentioned, Mac Brown and all that happened. So it could be, uh, something that, uh, could be good. And again, uh, it could be good only if the coaches put these players in a position that they take advantage of what they do well, just to make a change doesn't help anything but to change what they do and how they attack the defense and same with the offense and how they attack the offense now of Arizona State uh, that's that's the whole thing put them in a position where you can win and have them do things they can do uh, I, I I've got a problem thinking that they can play they can play man defense I don't know if they have a corner they can play man uh, steadily I think Ian Marshall, if you watch last night's game, it's hard to even believe he was in the game. Uh, he either intimidated them that they never went after him. I don't know. I don't have a tackle chart. I, he, I don't know if he made a tackle. But uh, I never heard his name called one time. Obviously, you know, I watch it on television. But uh, that's good in a way because that means they never ran to run towards him or throw towards him. So I, I think you got to have a couple of corners like that, because they certainly attack the other side an awful lot. So, yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't know, uh, but uh, these are some of the things I notice. All right, we have one last voicemail. Uh, think of it's going to be a familiar theme to what we've <laughs> heard earlier, but we want to let everyone rant a little bit, Coach. Here you go, the last one. I have never been so disappointed in USC football in my life. I have watched USC football since I was about seven years old, and this this performance is simply horrendous. Helton has got to go. His entire staff is inept, and it's embarrassing, extremely embarrassing, to see a proud USC program sink so low. He has to go. It's important that Lance Juan bring in someone else to lead the Trojans back to glory. I'm very disappointed. In fact, I'm about to tune out any, I would like to be a law fan, but it's getting to be absolutely atrocious. He has to go. Lance Juan needs to make a move now so we can prepare for next year, not wait till the end of the season, but start looking for a coach and a staff now. My name is Joseph Blue, like the color, former director of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco and an ardent USC supporter. Thank you. Okay. Um, director of the Golden uh, Gate Bridge. That's kind of cool. Nice. That is great. Isn't that like that they have to great. paint the thing all, like they have to paint it all year or whatever, like by the time they're yeah, done. Yeah, they just start over. Once they finish, they just start over. Yeah. That'd be a lifetime job. You got security. <laughs> That's better than coaching, I won't tell you. Uh, just keep the paint flowing. Make sure I got a lot in the, in the you know, equipment room. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, a lot of programs do do that. 
a lot of programs do uh, let their coach go and then get an interim coach and start the process and and so on. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, first of all, do they know how to hire a football coach? I mean, uh, I think Lynn Swan's an absolutely fabulous uh, athlete. Uh, who would he listen to? How would they go about doing it? Do they really know if they were to replace Clay Helton, what type of person to go after or what type of staff to assemble uh, to be able to compete in the Pac-12 conference and attract athletes because athletes, you know, steal the committed last week, their top player, I would think on this coming year's uh, recruiting uh, for 2019. Uh I think that that's the number one thing. Who there knows who and how to hire a football coach. Lynn Swan is a beginner, too. Now, don't get me wrong. He's got a career that's 150,000 times more and better than mine as a player. Uh, he's never coached. Uh, he's never been an athletic uh, director. Not that he's not a good one. But it, t- it takes talent to hire the right coach at the right place with the right philosophy, with the right reputation that draws players. It's, it is the university, but it's also today, who's coaching me? Who's my position coach? Who's my offensive coordinator? What offense has he run? Who has he put in the NFL? All of these different things, that's the type of offense that we want to have here. That's who we want to, you know, how we want to win. Well, you know, that's that's a pretty good uh, chunk of of uh, what I want to say responsibility. You've got an interim president. I'm not sure how much uh, knowledge she has in the game of football. Not that she doesn't. I don't know. Trustees, obviously, know, but uh, none of them own a football team or have hired a football coach. Uh, why did they, how do they go? They go hire and pay somebody a million dollars to hire one? I think that's that's uh, showing me a lack of lack of leadership at a university when you can't know who to hire. Now, maybe if he was to know who he's going to hire, and maybe they do. Maybe they've done all this thinking. I don't know. I don't know, but I don't know what Lynn Swan does, okay? I don't talk to him. I don't need him. I speak at different events with him, sit next to each other and so on, but I never discuss football, okay? So uh, I think he's a fine gentleman, great career, but it's not easy to hire and find an Urban Meyer, and that's what USC, if they made a change, if, and I'm not suggesting they do, boy, it better be somebody that's good. And a bit of be somebody who's done it, where they can demonstrate that they did get the right guy. Then leave him alone. Let him coach the football team and bring in generals that are five-star coordinators. Pay him a million dollars a year or a million and a half dollars a year. But does it cost that to live in California? And bring, if you want, excellence. Okay, now, if that's too much money, then all you listeners say, oh, we can't pay that kind of money. Okay, then be mediocre. Because all the other universities are doing that at Notre Dame and everywhere else that are winning. So are you going to be like they are or are you going to be like somebody else? So you got to make a commitment. It starts at the top. And maybe Clay Hilton had, hadn't, hasn't had that commitment. So let's give him that break, too. Maybe he's wanted to hire maybe that bring in some coordinators that would have cost them a million and a half dollars or a million dollars or whatever, like Fisher has and like the strength coach at the strength coach at Alabama or these other places, Florida, they're all making a million dollars. So uh, is SC willing to make that commitment to get, attract that type of talent as a coach? And if you attract that type of talent as a coach. Now you've got to start because you know what they run offensively, you know what they run defensively, and you know that they know what they're doing. They've proven themselves rather than take a beginner. And, you know, USC, I don't think, is the 
place you want a beginner, it's like I always use the simple comparisons. When you have a heart transplant, do you want a guy that's doing it for the first time? Or do you want a guy that's done thousands of them successfully? And that's the way I'll end. Hey, uh, real quick on that. Joseph, thanks for the uh, – you could you could hear the frustration in your voice, and I've heard it in a lot of USC fans. Um, you know, personally, do I think that USC could make a change? I do. I feel like – I mean, I, I'm just not seeing a whole lot of support uh, for Clay Helton and his staff. And like Coach mentioned – you know, Clay Hilton's one of the nicest guys that you have a kid. You'd want him to play for Clay Helton. The issue is that I don't feel he's hired a, a great staff. And I don't know why that is, if it's just, you know, comfort levels. But you see a guy like uh, Mike Leach at Washington State, and he loses Alex Grinch, who was a great defensive coordinator, using smaller guys that they had at Washington State and, and putting together really good defense. He gets hired away by Urban Meyer to be a co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State, along with Greg Schiano, and he goes out and gets Tracy Clays, who was a former head coach at, at Minnesota. I mean, that's the kind of hires I think you need to make. I said it a million times, Dylan McCullough, before he even stepped on campus and we knew he was a good coach, I was like, that's perfect. Look at his record. Look at his resume. That's why you hire a guy, his resume, not because you're familiar with him. So yes, he left after one year, but you can go get another guy like that. There's you, people want to come to USC. And that's to me been the biggest issue with Clay Hilton is he hasn't gone out and got great coaches. He's got people he's friends with and familiar with. And coach Harvey Hyde brought it up earlier where you have a, you know, you were going to start a first time uh, quarterback, no matter what, when Sam Darnold left and you hired Brian Ellis, who I like a lot. And he might be one of these great uh, you know, quarterback coaches one day, but he's never done it before. There's no reason to do that. You you should go get the most experienced guy. A first-time head coach shouldn't have a first-time offensive coordinator. That's just my opinion. So that's where I feel he's gone wrong. Now, as far as Joseph saying they got to make a move now, the last two coaching changes were disasters and they were in the middle of the season. I don't think you're going to see Lin Swan do that. There's a lack of leadership because we don't know about Lin Swan because he's never done this before. So when you hire an athletic director that's never done the job either, that's a that's an X factor. But there's no president. There's an interim president. But you know it's going to be hard to do something, I think, crazy in the middle of the season now because of the lack of leadership throughout the USC whole machine. You know, So I don't think anything like that's going to happen. But I do feel after the season that it's more, that it's more likely, at least the way they're going now. Now, keep in mind, USC could lose, say, badly to Notre Dame and finish eight and four and still back if they beat like uh Arizona State and Cal and UCLA still back into the Pac-12 championship game because Utah still has to play Oregon and their schedule is a lot tougher than USC so even as frustrated as you are and it would be frustrating for USC to lose to Notre Dame again especially in horrible fashion they could still represent the South and the obviously the Pac-12 South isn't very strong. So there's a lot in play here, uh, but I don't think anything is going to happen during the season. I do think significant chance there is something happens after the season, but like coach Harvey Hyde pointed out, this is such a weird time right now at USC. These weird decisions that were made before when you do a, some sort of national athletic director search, and you hire someone that no one would have hired in the entire country as far as athletic directors go. Um, you know, when USA hired Clay Helton, uh, who would have hired him from the major universities? Like nobody. When they hired Lynn Swan, who would have hired him as their athletic director? Nobody. So those kind of things, you reap what you sow. And those bad decisions from a few years ago will pop up now. So I, I, that's the end of my rant. Sorry, coach, but I just had to uh, let people know what I thought. Brian, I loved it. Absolutely <laughs> loved it. No, I ought to give you more of an opportunity. From now on, I'll ask you the question. Send all your emails to me. And I'll ask them to Ryan. No, really, uh, and people out there, really, I know how frustrated you are. And Ryan, I know there's people that say, you have to go eight and four, then what do they do? I know there's people that saying that. But I know right now you've got to hope that they do go eight and four. They get an opportunity to play in the tw Pac-12 championship game. And if they could find a way of winning that game, and I'm not saying they can't, they can if they do the right things. They've already beaten Washington State, and they can do it whoever again could be there, okay? 
Stanford isn't as good as what we've made out it to be. I don't know. Again, it was the offense at Stanford. They scored three points, okay? Yeah. Hell in the 17. But again, let's move on. I appreciate the opportunity of uh, uh, answering your questions and being with you weekly, and I'm going to let you go, buddy. All right. Well, thank you, Coach. Thanks uh, for your thoughts, and I hope everyone enjoyed that. A lot of talking. I still got to do uh, our Tunnel Vision show tonight, and we did our emergency podcast. So lots of... You get to hear lots of me talking. So I wanted you to talk, Coach. I just I just kind of felt I wanted to do a little rant at the end. But um, it was good. Oh, thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. I, I, you know, I trust your opinion. That's why we love having you on. And if you like something I say, it makes me feel good. So, um, good. Coach, thanks again. And, uh, you know, good week. Let's uh, rub some dirt on all our wounds and, and go forward to uh, see what happens at Arizona State this weekend. All right, buddy, and thank you, everybody out there. Have a great week, and it's ASU next. The Sun Devils coming to the Coliseum. All right, that's Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow me at Inside Troy. Thanks so much for all of you for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.